That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Wormtail screamed. Screamed as though every nerve in his body were on fire. The screaming filled Harry's ears as the scar on his forehead seared with pain. He was yelling too. Voldemort would hear him, would know he was there. Harry! Harry! Harry opened his eyes. He was lying on the floor of Professor Trelawney's room with his hands over his face. His scar was still burning so badly that his eyes were watering. The pain had been real. The whole class was standing around him, and Ron was kneeling next to him, looking terrified. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way that the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 29, The Dream. Harry falls asleep in divination, classic, and he has a dream that Voldemort is punishing Wormtail. He wakes on the floor with his scar burning and goes straight to Dumbledore's office. That's it. That's the chapter. Welcome to the restricted section where it was all a dream. We used to read which weekly magazine. And that's, I tried to write more, but I couldn't. I was going to make that joke if you hadn't already. Yes, the one joke of the episode. There's always the one. The joke. <laughs> I am feeling bananas bubbly today because I am joined by my pug mother friend, Brooke. Say hello to the listeners, Brooke. Hello. I wish I could lift my pug up to do some snorting ASMR for you, but she would never <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I'm glad that you enjoyed that because when I said it out loud, for some reason, pug mother felt like an insult. Like, like, look at that pug mother bitch over there. I feel bad every time in Harry Potter they refer to Pansy Parkinson as being pug face because I'm like, first off, pug faces are so cute. They're the cutest little faces. Also, I'm like concerned about her. Like, is your nose okay? Or can you breathe outside on a warm day? <laughs> These are things that pugs cannot do. <laughs> And I am so freaking excited today because our special guest and friend of the pod is Claire. Say hello to the listeners, Claire. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yes, and we are so glad that you are. Um, if you recognize her voice, it's probably because Claire was on our Chamber of Secrets Chapter 9 episode, The Writing of the Wall, which was literally in September of 2020. So there's a little <laughs> throwback for you. It is so good to have you back. How, how you been since September 2020, Claire? Oh, it's been interesting. Let's just... 2021 was a ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone could disagree with you there. But we are so glad to have you back. Can you just remind me before we get into it what your Hogwarts house is? Yeah, I am a Slytherin. Um, oh, yep, 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 yep. I did know that because you're one of the few in the Discord and we appreciate you. So what's your opinion on Slytherin connections to pug-faced people? <laughs> I'm not here for the Slytherin slander. <laughs> I think but is it slander? I think that's like a specific pansy critique. Uh, she needs to go to uh, like a respiratory doctor. 
She needs to pull a Hermione, go get her nose blown up in a curse, and then just like put it back to her normal length. No, no, no. It was like that the whole time. You just keep it, it there. Was like that the whole time. In the next book, Harry's like, she's weirdly Labrador retriever faced. Like, what is going on here? I'm getting more poodle pansy Parkinson vibe. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder how many pugs have been named Pansy over the years because of this. Honestly, probably not even because of this. People love floral and food-related pug names. I would say 90% of pugs are named after a flower or a food. Oh, yeah. And hold on. Hold on. John Mulaney's dog. Petunia is a, a, a like a bulldog. I don't. She's a Frenchie. French bulldog. Yeah, Petunia. That's the first thing that came to mind. Also Harry Potter connection. Flowers and food, yo. People look at those smashed little faces and there's like, there's only two things that come to mind. I googled a pug named Pansy and the first thing that came up is a picture of Pansy Parkinson. Whoa. (laughs) She might corner the pug Pansy Parkinson market. Pansy Pansy. Parkinson corners the Pansy Pugs. Imagine being cast as Pansy Parkinson in the movies and being like, yay. And then you're like rereading the books and you're like, fuck, what the fuck is this? You're like, pug? Staring in front of a mirror as like a 12-year-old, like, okay, I guess I can see it. Just like running your finger along the slope of your nose to remind yourself that it exists. To all all the pansies out there, it's okay. If your name is Pansy and you're listening to this podcast, please hit me up because I've never met a person IRL named Pansy. Claire, have you ever met a Pansy? I have not, no. Brooke? Pansy? I haven't, but I'd also like to add to this call that if you feel that you have a pug face, I would like to see it because I've also never met a human that I felt immediately puggish about. Claire, how about you? Any pug people? Not that I can think of. I've seen some weird faces in college, but not pug faced. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe like a crony type in a movie where they like did him up to look like that. You know what I mean? Honestly, movie Goyle isn't, like, unpug-like. Um, Am I thinking Goyle or Crab? Crab is the shorter one. one. The shorter one. He's the most puggish-faced person I think I've seen. Goyle, I don't know if I've ever said this hot take before. Goyle in the movies, pretty hot. (laughs) Ooh, no. No, wrong. Googling it. I mean, when I was, uh, to be very clear, (laughs) when I was a youth, I carried this opinion. I maintain it. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> no regrets on that one. Before we get into the chapter, I would love to read some owl mail. Uh, very appropriate since we spend some time in this chapter in the owlery. This is from Jay, they, them. Jay wrote us and said, hi there, potters. Pot. Po- oh, I get the joke now that I had to say it out loud. It's like pod hyphen errs. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be, it's brilliant, actually, because you have to be both reading it and saying it out loud in order for the joke to really hit home. Good one, Jay. You got me already. I greatly enjoyed the podcast, and I'm thrilled that you're deep into the chapters of book four, as it's one of my favorites in the series. I can't wait for your review of the Goblet of Fire film, as it's easily one of my least favorites in the series. Smiley face. (laughs) Example, building up the Quidditch World Cup and then not even showing it. The editing is weird. The performances are all over the place. I don't disagree with any of those things, Jay. 
For example, there's the fan favorite shouty Dumbledore, as well as breathless Hermione, parentheses, I am not an owl, and parentheses. <laughs> um, the way that Jay spelled this was like very evocative of exactly how she says it in the films. Um, as much as I love making fun of the Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire scene? There's another with Dumbledore completely out of character that I wanted to write about. In the extended version shown on TV, right after Durmstrang and Bobaton students arrive at Hogwarts, the children are instructed to sing the Hogwarts school song. For some reason, Michael Gammon and Dumb as Dumbledore bellows at the students when he gives them this command. Hogwarts, let's entertain our students in the best way we can. I'll stand. YouTube link included for evidence. I'm going to see. This is one of those things where it's like, yeah, I know how to use technology, but like, does it always, the, the video aspect of it is uh, not always reliable. I'm going to try to share this video with y'all right now. Just, I'm not subjecting you to the ad though. So I'm waiting a second. Okay, great. That's because I respect you. I don't know. I always enjoy a YouTube ad. <laughs> That's five split seconds of just nothing but annoyance. Just a loud song. <laughs> um, go to advanced. I Googled this ahead of time because that's how much I care about the quality of this podcast. Click on video. Click share. Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that's for a file off my computer. Okay. So I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to share it. We're going to hope for the best. Optimized for video clip crushed it. Okay. There's a. Oh, can you guys see the video? Yeah, I can. Okay, let me know if this sounds terrible and you want me to stop. Hogwarts, let's entertain our friends in the best way we can. I'll stand. Maestro, please. Can you guys hear it? Is it loud, quiet? No, it's right. It's good. good. Okay. Hogwarts, 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 teach us something And I wa talked like through the original Dumbledore part that Jay was talking about. Hogwarts, let's entertain our friends in the best way we can. I'll stand. Maestro, please. Right. So kind of like drill sergeant type presentation there. Okay. So that is absolutely like a deleted scene, right? Yes. Yes. I, okay. I think I've only seen that in my, in the course of my becoming a Harry Potter expert in the name of this podcast. It looks like a canceled feature off of the DVD to yeah. like show you how to sing the Hogwarts song. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Also, like this is not the best way that we can entertain our guests because in movie three we're introduced to the Hogwarts Toad Choir and honestly uh, the disrespect slaps. on their name. Yes, absolutely slaps. Yeah, and like I, I don't know if they like didn't finish the graphics for that or if the graphics of the lyrics hanging in midair were bad. <laughs> just bad or they just didn't get enough of a hand wave from the cast <laughs> right right claire had you ever seen this before yeah i i've seen it like twice i think and i'm just okay. like what what were they going for <laughs> would you have also cut this from the theatrical version yeah it doesn't belong in the film <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like quite carry the charm that reading it does <laughs> 
Well, especially after the film went so hard with like fire breathing dragon, Bulgarian <laughs> breakdancing, pretty butterfly ladies. And then it's like, what if we all just kind of do a sing along? <laughs> well, and I don't know if y'all clocked at the end because I stopped it before the end of the video, but the next scene is like Mad Eye Moody approaching in the storm. So, like, that's a bad example of how to use juxtaposition. Like, that's not cute. You're not saying anything with that. <laughs> Okay, so Jay goes on. The scene is kind of goofy on its own since the song is ridiculous anyway, but Dumbledore greets these perfectly nice people who have presumably traveled a long way by invitation, no doubt, with the same warmth as Ebenezer Scrooge would greet a panhandler on Christmas Eve. <laughs> the extended scene features a montage of Hogwarts, but yeah, right, right, we saw confused looks from the non obviously this is linked in the show notes please go watch it because there is a look from was that victor crumb or was yes. that oh yeah that was a crumb stare i get confused because as i'm reading the books i'm like he's awkward he's skinny and ugly and weird and then i watch the movie and i'm like oh he's a total babe they even did a not so subtle cut of victor crumb glaring into the audience and then cut to Hermione waving her arms in the air to the Hogwarts school song. Like she just don't care. <laughs> I think these looks are supposed to be their reaction to the silliness of the anthem, but I read the scene as their utter confusion on why one of the greatest sorcerers in the world shouted at them like a Karen at a customer service rep. <laughs> I had to get this random thought out of my brain, so I appreciate your time. Thanks again for putting this podcast out there as it's honestly a joy to see people dig into the lore, share stories, all whales, all whale, whoa, hard one. All, all whales stand <laughs> and entertain our guests in the best way we know how. All while sharing love and support for all kinds of marginalized communities. That bitch who not must not be named is canceled. Please keep up the good work and peace out, Jay. Jay, thank you so much for giving me a reason to watch the Hogwarts song because it's bad. <laughs> I love, I love when listeners email us about such specific things like this with like such specific takes. It brings me so much joy because that's exactly what we're trying to do here. I think especially because it means that they're literally sitting at home with these things that they've kept bottled up inside for years. <laughs> and they're like, this finally feels like the forum for me to air right. this grievance. Which is the reason we started this podcast. <laughs> So you're in good company, Jay. Again, thank you so much for the email and um, thank you for listening. So we are here to talk about, scrolls to the top of my notes, I don't know what year it is, chapter 29, The Dream. The Dream. The chapter titles are getting pretty lazy around this, uh, around these parts. <laughs> Padfoot returns. Oh, I wonder what happens in this chapter. <laughs> So it starts with, I started these notes with the next morning. And if I were an editor, I'd be like, next to what? What? How, what? What's happening? Now, this is the point in the books where the chapters are meaningless because there's so much happening that's like important plot building elements, but they don't actually have, it's not like a, a mini episode wrapped up. Right. Like a lot of the earlier books are, you know, where it's like, well, this chapter exists because this thing happens. Mm -hmm, it's a mm -hmm. lot of like, these people were continuing this conversation and then they kind of ran into this person and then someone dropped this Easter egg and now the chapter's over. Right. Like, especially this chapter, which just kind of ends with like the door opens or like whatever. And it's like, what? <laughs> nothing got resolved. I have only questions. Okay. So the trio's up in the Owlery, sending a letter to update Sirius Black about the whole Crouch thing. 
you know. Okay, so it mentions that they, like, wake up early to do this before class. And, like, honestly, how are these kids not failing out of this school? Because, like, I feel like roughly 2% of their time is available for coursework, studying, you know? Yeah, I guess maybe they just never, ever show it because it's very boring. I mean, yeah, but, like, you would think at some point, there there are, like, weird montage scenes where they're, like, they studied for their exams, but it's always, like, just for exams. Are they, like, are do we think that they're the type of students that just, like, exam cram and everything? <laughs> they're, they're the ones doing the calculations where they're, like, all right, so if the grade, if the exam counts for 60% of my grade, and I currently have a 42, and I can get an 87 on this exam, I do, in fact, pass this class. <laughs> Clara, you're nodding. What do you think? Absolutely. I don't think Ron would show up to class if he didn't have to. I think he would show up to exams and that's it. I agree. I think Ron is the kind of person who would do a lot of math to prove exactly how much work he could bail on and still pass. <laughs> um, not that he ever learned how to do any math, just as a reminder. He did not go to elementary school. There is He's not taking math classes at Wizard High School. But um, he, damn it, he'd try. So basically Hermione is like, okay, either Crouch attacked Crumb or someone attacked both of them. And um, Ron jumps in with our, our favorite scapegoat, <laughs> maybe Snape. Classic. To be fair, if Snape weren't so singularly focused on getting one over on a teenage boy, then he wouldn't look half as suspicious as he always does. Right. I think that they wouldn't even be thinking about him if he hadn't physically blocked Harry from, like, forwarding this terrible situation. This this particular situation where Harry has sprinted up to the castle, clearly in alarm, to alert someone to the one of the, you know, top-ranking ministry officials being a madman in the woods, and Snape being like, this seems like an excellent time to fuck with you, should go up there in the pantheon of things to show to people if they try to defend Snape. Like, this is a particularly indefensible moment to me. Because usually he can at least get his shit together enough to, like, be a teacher. Yeah. I think that this whole book is, like, Snape at his worst. Like, he has not done a single redeeming thing, and he has done, I think, his top three worst things. The Hermione teeth thing... The reading the Witch Weekly Love Triangle article aloud and pausing for laughter in front of the Slytherins who, I mean, it's whatever. Obviously, That would be your people, Claire. We're coming specifically for your people. It's Harry's bullies. Like, you're doing this in front of the people you know are bullying him. <laughs> that Claire's not in that class. <laughs> And this, the the blocking Harry in a moment of actual real crisis from trying to do the right thing about it. That is bad. Like, it's not even like he's like, what? You saw something? Like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't believe you. He's like, you think you have a problem? Well, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> I'm doing a jerking off emotion. <laughs> I'm glad that you mentioned that because even on Zoom, I could not see that you were doing a jerk. I did it alone down where you would jerk. I'm doing it right now. You can't see it. It's <laughs> That's why you got to air jerk it straight into the mouth. Uh, Snape would, I was about to say he'd never, but 
He probably would. Then, uh, <laughs> if Lily said she was into it and wanted to watch. <laughs> Lily. <laughs> Whatever. I'm like, like, now I'm mad that we brought up Lily. Like, God, leave her alone. She's dead. Leave her alone. <laughs> okay. Enter Fred and George. Having a conversation, a suspicious conversation about the legality of blackmail. Right. They're basically like talking about, and this is before they realize anyone is around. They're like talking about how basically like if he doesn't pay, I mean, this is with our context. If he doesn't pay them what he owes them, they will tell the ministry that he's doing this. And I think they're like, we're not going to get our money that way, but like he should be held accountable for I'm like, I'm 17. <laughs> what the fuck? Question. Clear, if you were in Fred and George's shoes, would you blackmail Ludo Pagman at this point? Honestly, yeah. I mean, this dude entered a situation with two seven, 16, 17-year-olds yeah. that know nothing better than to play dirty with it. Yeah. I think he definitely underestimated them. Brooke, what do you think? I don't. It would depend on how much money I was out. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I could probably brush off, like, 200 galleons worth of, of rookery in an exchange for not being charged with blackmail. What the fuck? Hold on. I, I think that we can literally do this math. Just give me a second. <laughs> okay, I'm doing this right now. The invitation. Weasley's Wizard Weasley's. The port key. Bagman and Crouch. Here we go. Because I think he tells him, like, I'll give you blank-to-blank -blank odds on that because they're like... They make that bet that Ireland's going to win, but Crumb's going to catch the snitch, which is like a nonsense bet. And so he tells them, oh, man, he just says, I'll give you excellent odds on that. Okay. I thought he told them the odds. Whatever. That's what I get for trying to do math. Wow. So much research to try to do math only to be thwarted. <laughs> So I would say, I don't know what odds are, at least 32 galleons, because that's what they bet. So, Brooke, what is the threshold at which you would be blackmailing him right now? It depends, because, like, I don't bet. Right. And the reason I don't bet is because I don't like, I don't think betting is fun, and I don't like losing money. Right. Yeah. It's, it's big same. Claire, how about you? You yeah, better? I, yeah, I don't like betting, but yeah, yeah, nah. Like some people enjoy the process of betting. I think the problem with Fred and George is like they need this money so badly that like right, it throws me back to like when I was younger. We we used to do like like quarter betting pools on like the Super Bowl. Oh my god, just like my grandma at her nursing home, or we would retirement do, like, home. Oh my god, sorry, Dee Dee. We would do, like, uh, at horse races, they would do penny pools for the kids, where they each gave us, like, 100 pennies, and we could bet as many pennies on a horse as we wanted to. That's pretty cool, but it's also teaching children, like, a terrible skill. Here's the thing, though. I would literally bet one penny and one quarter and keep the rest. Right. Because that's yeah. how much I don't like betting. Because I don't like losing money, but I, I also didn't expect at any point if I, like, won 100 pennies, I wasn't going to gleefully take everyone else's pennies. You right. Know it I mean? doesn't feel good either way. That's the thing. It doesn't feel good either way. I've never gambled really at all, although I am having a vivid memory right now of when I went to sleepaway camp when I was, like, 
Uh, I think I was in sixth grade, which is also the week I got my first period. I had been watching fucking Parent Trap. I'll take a whack at it. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to take all these cool scrunchies, CDs, and nail polish to gamble with, like in the Parent Trap. And obviously that's not a thing that actually happens at sleepaway camp. <laughs> but that's probably, uh, that's probably the closest I've ever got. <laughs> so Fred and George send their lull letter off. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione are left to kind of, like, talk through what they've just witnessed. And Ron makes a really interesting point about, like, well, they've never much cared for rules. Right. You know what I mean? And I think betting plays into that because it's, like, betting is feels like legally breaking the rules whenever you do it, you know? Yeah, what I mean? you're like, I'm like, a, I'm like a Batman villain right now. Sorry, I saw Batman yesterday. But it's, yeah. like, that's the vibe. It is, but, and, like, and Fred and George are rule breakers, but they're rule breakers with morals. Like, they're exactly the kind yes, of people. they're jesters. Mm-hmm. That they're, like, I think part of it is that they're, like, trust is hurt as yes. much as they want the money. They, I think this might be their first real time of, like, the system failing them. Like, a, like a, a government official is a bad guy who stole your money. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, also, I wanted to ask, um... How much of a difference do you guys see between rules and laws? Because Ron brings that up and Hermione's like, well, it's different because it's a law. And I'm like, ah, I don't know how much difference there is between a rule and a law. Okay, for me personally, I hear I'm I'm not I don't want to make assumptions about the two of you, but I'm just gonna go out on a limb and guess that I've broken the most rules in this Zoom chat. That's just a guess. <laughs> and like the way that I feel is like there are rules and there are laws and like some of them don't make sense to you and you break the ones that you think are worth breaking. So when the punishment is a detention, okay, that's like not that big of a risk. We're back to gambling versus the reward of like skipping class or whatever. But if the if you're risking like being imprisoned and having like a criminal record, that's like a much higher risk. So how many of those rules are worth breaking? That's my logic. I skipped class a lot, but the only law I ever really broke was the weed thing. Come on, guys. The weed thing. Well, and like speeding. Everyone speeds. Right. But that's the kind of law where like it's not a that's a civil offense. I think so that's we're getting into like what types of rules but are it's there. still a law. I And it, so I guess my weird thing is that I so I went to private school. And the thing about private school, which Hogwarts is effectively, is that by breaking rules, you can be expelled, which especially in Hogwarts is like a very high level offense. Like Hagrid got right, expelled and now he can't do Because there's very little reason to it. And it's, right. yeah, it, it is a little different. So it's like, I don't know that I see much difference between ending up in like a Hagrid situation where you're an adult wizard who can't use a wand versus like breaking a small law but but i also think that specifically the twins never do expulsion expulsion worthy offenses they are doing small shenanigans all the time and i think that they know that they would receive like a warning like they like they would know if they're like fucking at the end of the rope you know like i think that no one's gonna just expel them and here's just like a random fred and george sh shenanigan in the next book when they make that pond that permanent pond <laughs> 
Do you guys remember that in the hallways? No one's going to expel them for that. You know, like that's a shenanigan. It's pretty funny. It's kind of annoying. So I think that they just are confident. I don't know. Claire, you're, you, you're a rule follower as well. I, <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I need see, to shut up. give me your opinion. Cause like, I see something even like a permanent pond as being like so disruptive to my life that I would say that's expulsion worthy. I mean, at, at this point, Fred and George haven't really done much to determine that they even get that first warning. As far as we know, the worst they did is the age line sort of. So as far as we know, they're pretty good rule followers and getting involved in blackmail i mean i mean and gambling at 17 that's pretty normal for a 17 year old to just get involved in something and end up in over their head so i think Mm, that's valid we get a very altered view of them just through harry and I think they're not as bad as they may seem. They just do a few pranks every once in a while. And there's also the perspective of how much they have been breaking the rules recently at home with the Weasleys wizarding wheezes. Oh my God, crushed it. Um, I think that like that's fresh in everyone's mind that they've been up to this, which is in some places bad like at home that's bad, but they've been doing it. And so they're also at the at the intersection of like, what is a valid rule and what is a rule that's like preventing me from entering adulthood on my own terms, which I can super relate to that. God, find your own terms at all costs. So they bicker a bit. Fred and George bicker a bit. They send the letter. They're like, bye. Oh, no. We already did that bit. Because then they're, they're talking about, right, right. How, how far would they go? I just wanted to drop one more thing. There's like, There's so much foreshadowing this book for how much of a twat Percy ends up being. It's true. Because, like, they're like, well, maybe you could ask Percy and, like, see if there's something going on and they need help. And Rom was like, he would probably sell them to Azkaban for a promotion. It is true. And, like, that's the thing is, like, Barty Crouch didn't do that. And it's, like, Percy's hero did, like, this terrible thing that ruined everything. So I think, uh, I don't know, Percy's in denial. I don't know why, what, where I was going when I said I think. I lost it. I just think Percy is a doo-doo head and this book is like starting to really dive into that. He like, is a doo-doo head. He really jumps the shark in this book between being like an annoyingly perfect older brother to being like a distrusted member of the family that's edging on not being a member of the family anymore because of how little he seems to care about that relationship. Absolutely. And then there's also how deeply he's in denial about anything being wrong with Barty Crouch. And that kind of like foreshadows the issues that we have with Cornelius Fudge later in this book and at the beginning of the next, well, forever, for the rest of forever, until he gets fired. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Fire your local corrupt official. Sorry, I just watched Batman yesterday. Um, <laughs> That's there the is second a- time you've mentioned it. <laughs> it was really good. And to be clear, they murdered all of the corrupt officials. Okay, I'm not saying do that. The Batman was very good. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so, okay. okay. <laughs> what am I missing? Because what's the deal with Harry's watch? It has only been mentioned 99 times in the last three chapters. Yeah, I wonder if it's because like, it's, oh, it's a muggle thing. I don't know. Like a mu- no. muggle relic. Because it's just broken. Like, yeah. Ron also has a watch. And, right. like, they keep referencing, okay. like, 
Harry's watch was broken, so he had to look at Ron's watch. And, like, in the past <laughs> couple of chapters, they've done that a few times where it's like, he looked at his watch, but it was broken. I'm like, am I mis- am I forgetting something? Like, does the watch become important? Because it keeps getting brought up. Uh, the watch does not become important, but at some point, Mrs. Weasley buys- I think it's their 17th birthday, Mrs. Weasley buys Harry a watch because that is- wizard tradition so i don't know if like you had to take out this watch so that she could (laughs) do that nice thing what do you think clara am i forgetting something i did not remember this thing about the watch until now (laughs) (laughs) um so he has to go two more years without a working watch (laughs) i don't know i i went to a formal event the other day and i took off my like galaxy watch or whatever because it does not look formal and i annoyed myself so much from how often I was looking at my watch, like my wrist. It was like so fucking annoying to not wear it for like six hours. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Claire. What do you, what do you got about the watch? You got nothing? Yeah, I don't, this is the first I've noticed it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Is it a metaphor? Usually if something gets brought up five times in this book, it's because it has a purpose. Okay. But also as a reminder, in this book, Harry gets a very cool, basically sonic screwdriver level pocket watch from Sirius Black that never does anything in the rest of the series. So I think at this point, the writer, who must not be named, is just throwing stuff in there. She's like, my plot's about to hit the van, and I just need stuff. I need stuff there ready for me when I need it later. Hmm. I don't know. The watch is, is NBD. Please email us if we're wrong about the watch or if you have any fun opinions about what kind of metaphor it is. <laughs> I'm really bad with metaphor. Like, I loved my English class, but I did have a hard time with, like, yeah, like, symbolism and stuff. Like, what? My least favorite conversation that happens in English classes, but not amongst people who like English or literature, is the difference between a metaphor and a simile. Right. Fuck the fact that there's a difference between those. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Cool thing. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter at all. And as an editor today, I think I use the word metaphor for both of them when I'm editing. I'm like, cool cool metaphor, but yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't a simile just like a type of metaphor that uses either like or as? Ooh, I would say that that's right. I would say that I like... We're entrepreneurs, no, not pioneers. We're, we're literary pioneers here. And uh, I do think that simile is a type of metaphor. We're, I love that. No, I want to be literary entrepreneurs. <laughs> I want to create uh, what the podcast's simile side cracks. I'm trying to think of something alliterative <laughs> like wizards, <laughs> Weasley's um, wizard Weasley. Not to brag, but I did launch a publishing company so i am a literary entrepreneur it's not a ridiculous concept (laughs) i just want to sell similes by the seashore okay i like that one better i like that one that was pretty good one of my dreams and it's hard because the thing i need for it doesn't exist i want like a small typewriter like you know those calculators that you have like the ribbons and you can just like they're like the old school. So like, why isn't there a typewriter version? And if there is, tell me what it's called. Cause I've been looking for it on eBay. I want a portable typewriter where I can just distribute. I would take this to a music festival or something where people want this kind of bullshit. Just distribute poetry that as it like comes to me. That's been a dream of mine for a long time. Have you been to um, like Poets Row in New Orleans? 
Fun thing. No, I haven't actually. And I also hate everyone else's poetry. I don't like reading poetry. Don't make me read it. <laughs> it's just the thing I want to do. There's a place in New Orleans where a bunch of people just set up with like typewriters and boxes and you can like pay them money and they each will like they have different things that they write, Whoa. like different like styles that they write and they just like rip it off and give it to you. I did see a couple typewriter people sitting in like doorways. I don't know if that's where I was. But Probably. I- I, I just one time in Spanish class, I had to watch a movie in Spanish about a guy who did this like at the farmer's market. And I was like, wait, that's my dream. That's the thing I'm meant to do. <laughs> Take me. But I, I want to do it portable. So g- tell me if there's a word for a tiny typewriter like that, that I could like carry easily. Typewriters are fucking heavy. If I if I don't know what that word is and you do, hit me up. You have per- my permission to slide into my DMs with that information. Where the fuck are we? Um, they run into Moody and he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yes. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the trio goes to Mad-Eye Moody and they're like, did you ever find Barty Crouch? And he's like, nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like, was he on the map? And he goes, no, weird that. Anyhow, you guys are fine. Actually, be on alert. Not for me, but for other people. <laughs> Constant vigilance. Constant vigilance in another direction. <laughs> right. And that's the end of the scene is he's like, I don't know, check something else. <laughs> um, so the next day they get an owl back from Sirius and Sirius pretty much just blasts Harry for going to the forest alone with Victor Crumb. And he's like, don't do that dumb shit. Claire, would you have gone when Victor Crumb was like, hey, man, I need to talk to you and starts walking toward the forbidden forest. Would you have gone with him? No, you just sort of say, hey, can we just talk here so we're not in a dangerous forest that that seems it seems easier to just not go into a forest. Not going to lie. No, you're right. You make it seem so simple. Brooke, what about you? It does seem like a thing where Harry should have been like, hey, you're new here. Um, This forest has a lot of like werewolf murdery <laughs> centaur types. Right, in it. right. Crumb doesn't even know. What if, <laughs> what if his forest at Durmstrang is like the candy forest or something Crumb's delightful? Like, oh, perfect. There's like a, there's like a, a small stand of trees over here. That's a perfect hi- hiding place. Have a little private combo. And Harry's like, oh, you mean the murder force? <laughs> right. Yeah, what if Crumb doesn't even know? Don't let him go there. Okay. All great <laughs> points. All great points. I will say this is the most fatherly serious ever. Like, this yeah, is an I- excellent dad replacement <laughs> moment. <laughs> He's like, serious. you dumb bitch. Do not do that shit again, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, there's been, like, several moments in this book specifically where Harry's like, Wish I could do something about my fate, but it's sealed in stone and speaking up would never fix anything. There's like, okay, the moment where he get where his name comes out of the Goblet of Fire, that whole chapter where they're figuring out if he should play or not, he pretty much doesn't speak. And then um, after his terrible interview with Rita Skeeter gets published, she tries to, she gets an interview with Hagrid in front of him. And Harry, the narrative is like, well, it's not like he could say something in front of Rita Skeeter, so there's nothing he could do. And he knew that that was that. And it's like, you could say something in front of Rita Skeeter because she has made herself your enemy. And if you're not comfortable with that, you can come back after she leaves to make that really clear to Hagrid. So Harry does for sure need to learn to say something. Although in this instance, he gets all pissy at serious. And he's like, I'm not even in that much danger. Like, direct quote, no one's tried to attack me all year. Right. I get, I was still talking about the forest thing, I think, with Victor oh. Crumb. <laughs> I, I didn't know we hadn't left the forest. I was more just so saying, sorry. like, 
I think that's also part of the reason Harry's guard is down. He's like, usually by now, right? I've been attacked. Way worse has occurred. Sometimes I think about how Chamber of Secrets happened to Harry in only his second year, and he pretty much is fine. Like in the third year, he doesn't have like lasting like voices in the walls, like snake trauma. It's kind of just like, well, that's over. Thank God. So yeah, he's like, I- I've been attacked next to no times this year. <laughs> well, and then like like they start going into the like, except for this, and except for this, and except for this. <laughs> right. And honestly, I'm genuinely surprised that no one threw in like obvious clue of like, also, it's the end of the year. And for whatever reason, that's when things really tend to pop off. Yeah. Maybe it's our busy for, like, season. Maybe because of like climactic reasons, maybe our school years carry some kind of like weird story arc that I can't quite put my finger on. It just kind of feels like this is usually when we get real busy with stuff and like maybe we should just go ahead and move to double scheduling every shift. Right. (laughs) Okay, so the trio, they spend the next several weeks researching and practicing spells and hexes because they don't know, like in the past, they've been like, what is the answer to the riddle of this task? But this is just like going to be a maze full of stuff. So they have to practice everything. Okay, I have a bone to pick with this entire concept. Okay. Claire, you're in grad school. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guessing you study for grad school. Yeah, I've studied occasionally. Does the school provide you with places to fucking study? They say they do. I haven't found it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're having to sneak into classrooms to, like, practice charms. And I'm like, if you were at, like, a music institute, there wouldn't be no practice rooms. Right. I don't know if it's this book or, like, some other book where there's a line where it's like, McGonagall got so sick of walking in on them all over the school that she just gave them their classroom to practice. Maybe that's in like a, a chapter coming up. And it's like, they should have a spellcasting practice room, like a gym, like a gym. Have you thought of a gym? Or just general open space, maybe outside. With maybe some dope chairs and an enchanted umbrella. So the rain doesn't matter. That would be amazing. Or like some props. Like they're like, oh, thank God. They, all these pillows are left over because otherwise I don't know how we would. Well, on the flip side, I think that if you asked the right teacher like Flitwick, they would be delighted to provide you with a room and props. I think they would be so happy to help you. And I think that Harry's dumbass just never thought to ask. This is this is they're in middle school slash high school. No one's going to ask those questions when yeah. they're that age. They should That's automatically cool. assume that no one's gonna reach out at that age yeah you're right about that that's how i felt about i'm so sorry that's how i felt about the yule ball mcgonagall's like get a date bitch and i'm like mcgonagall come on just at least like advise him on who might be amenable to going with him like why you gotta do this to him i just like i it really is shocking to me the concept of like a school for magic where the only time where you can actually do magic is in a classroom and then you have to show up and perform magic for exams like these kids need practice spaces guys yeah gotta practice i would like to see the wizard jim somebody draw it (laughs) don't don't draw me a wizard named jim i'm on to you jim halpert wizard (laughs) he's practicing stunning spells on ron and hermione and there's a very cute little exchange where ron is like okay well i keep getting slammed onto the floor and hermione's like why don't you try to hit one of the cushions dumbass and ron's like okay well i'm unconscious when i go down so 
why don't you try it? And Hermione's like, no, no, he gets it, he gets it. We don't have to do this anymore. (laughs) I love that for her. (laughs) I also love the, like, shade that's not shade. It feels like shade in the fandom that they're like, well, it seems like he's gotten the practice of stunning and he's been able to disarm people for a while now. Yep. Yes, he has. signature move. Expelliarmus. It's the one. And it makes you go bonk. And in the movies, all the spells be like bonk, bonk. (laughs) And sometimes explode. Right. Sometimes it's... But in the end, it only just really bonks you, though. Like, even an explosion (laughs) just kind of bonks you. I feel like my brain is mush because I've been hanging out with a baby for a couple days in a row. It's just like, oh, did you go bonk? Oh, Speaking of bonking people, this is a diversion. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that in advance. So I was actually recently reading like the whole sad story of Dan Radcliffe's stunt double. Oh, oh my god, tell me. His so Dan Radcliffe's stunt double for the movies was like cast alongside Dan Radcliffe in the early days and like literally did all of his stunts for all the movies and then got injured on I think the seventh film when they did a um, spell where he was supposed to get jerked backwards after (gasps) the spell and they rigged it wrong and it jerked him back too fast and he's now quadriplegic. Oh my God, shut the fuck up. Jeez. Oh my God. It's crazy. He and Dan Radcliffe are still close friends. I mean, you'd have to. I mean, I would be, I'd be close friends with that person. I'd be like, well, everything's ruined for you because of me. So I mean, it's, it's a crazy story, but like the the dude's pretty pretty good about it. Like I mean, you know, he he has his own podcast that he like talks to stunt people and stuff, and kind of like advocates for safer working conditions in the stunt community. Yeah. And, but anyhow, yeah, he like did a bunch of Harry Potter and then got paralyzed. I think that stunt conditions can always could always be safer, just forever. Never assume they're just safe enough. He was wow. A, his like. Him describing the incident is crazy because he's like, I got jerked back and it definitely like hurt more. And I was like, ah, fuck, I broke a bone again, basically. And he was like, I knew something was wrong when the stunt coordinator ran over to me and was like, I need you to wiggle your fingers and toes now. And he was like, and that was when I realized I couldn't. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so so stressful. Crazy Um, shit. Okay. Well, I'm upset now. So I'm going to tell a different story about bonk. Um, Just (laughs) (laughs) because. Um. It's not it's not that good or long of a story, but when my brother was quite young, he was very into the word bonk because, that, as I mentioned, that's a word you say to babies. And he thought he was very funny. He would like when, this is when he was like two. He would like incorporate it into like songs and sentences, you know. And like I vividly remember like A B C D E F bonk, and then he'd like look at you and you'd be like, "That's the best joke I've ever heard in my life." That's the bonk story you should take with you from this. <laughs> Okay, next they go to divination class. Did you have um, something before that? Next they go to hot yoga divination. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, it's The classroom is very hot and perfumed. Trelawney is like, I'm going to teach you about Mars. Is that right? And then she's like, this calls for like dramatic, dramatic lighting. Like it's very, <laughs> she's just lecturing and... Harry is like, yikes. So he cracks open a window for a tiny breeze, which like, I I have like a problem. 
when I feel like the wind is still, I get like very claustrophobic. Like catch me in a storm because I'm like the wind. <laughs> and like Sean gets mad because like I pretty much always have the windows open in my car. Not not necessarily all the way, but like just to get some breeze going. You're just full King Lear all the time. What is that? I have I'm not familiar with that play actually. What does that mean? King Lear goes mad and kind of ends up wandering around in a storm being like i've never felt more alive in like a nightgown yes yes that's me i actually do remember (laughs) reading about that scene before um i'm proud of myself i'm trying to get better about saying i don't get that joke can you explain it to me rather than just being like anyway next Uh, (laughs) because i think that there's probably other people who don't get that joke can you please explain it to me um it depends on how much I care. <laughs> One of my signature lines as a person, which all of my friends are aware of, is I I will tell people if they start trying to explain something to me that I don't care about, I go, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> God, and you know what? He just Andrew just keeps talking about K-pop, doesn't he? No matter how many times you tell him you believe him, he just keeps talking about K-pop. <laughs> Today, or maybe yesterday, Andrew learned that one of his idols is a fish fan, <laughs> or at least was in a former life, <laughs> and he texted me about it, and I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I well, believe you. <laughs> I, you feel validated right now, don't you? No, it's cool. He's one of my idols, too. Anyway, check out Behind the Bastards. Oh, I thought you were talking about K-pop idols, because that's what they call them. Oh. I didn't think you were saying, like, one of his idols as in someone he quite enjoyed. I thought you were saying that one of his- were two different stories. Okay. The K-pop joke was different from the story. I didn't know they were called idols. Wait, the the K-pop celebrities are called idols? Indeed. Interesting. Um, That's fine. Um, That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's the least fine face I have ever heard paired with that phrase. Uh, love you, Andrew. Um, he's not listening. Andrew, this is a test. Haven't done this in like a hundred (laughs) episodes. So Harry can hear an insect buzzing. What's that about? It's the time of year for lots of insects. It's true, but just, just saying that maybe that'll come up again. So the wristwatch thing has no meaning, but the (laughs) insect buzzing outside the window means everything. The regular water beetle appearances have (laughs) a little more weight to them than the spoiled wristwatch. I wonder if water beetles can swim underwater, can breathe underwater. Like, I wonder if they can do both because that would be like very clever of Rita Skeeter. Can water beetles <laughs> breathe underwater? Oh, they're water bugs. Um, they take their air supply with them, so they can breathe underwater, but it's because of the same reason that humans can breathe underwater sometimes. What? Humans can breathe when underwater? Can, yeah. Like with a scuba tank, you know, like you take it with you. So that, wait, so they... So the water bugs. <laughs> I didn't are read the. Whole, I didn't read the whole article. It just said the Google preview said that they take their water with them. <laughs> I'm assuming water beetles can perform their own bubblehead charm. <laughs> that and that's great. what we're talking about. No other reason. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm reading too much about water bugs now. 
Um, Which, like, okay, wait, I, wait, wait. I got it. I forgot that Google highlights the relevant section for you. They trap air bubbles on their body and breathe that later, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's like a bubblehead charm. It says, the article said, this is Scientific American. The article says, this is the insect equivalent of a scuba system. So, Whoa. yes, they do take a scuba system. It's 10 minutes later. They do take a scuba system <laughs> with them. <laughs> so I'm imagining now uh, Beetle Skeeter uh, <laughs> scubaing, scubaing her way after moting Myrtle back up through the bathroom pipes into the castle. Yes. Yep, exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Harry falls asleep. Claire, are you the kind of student who falls asleep in class, or were you ever? Ha- let's say, have you ever fallen asleep in class? Once in high school. It was a very boring class, I'm not going to lie. What class was it? History of Magic? No, it was <laughs> probably boring. More boring. I think it was basic geography, and it was like freshman year, and I was like not in for it. I was just... Yeah, it's kind of hard to teach like the like the science of geography in a classroom in like a fun way. You know, it's either like it's like let's learn a map. I don't blame you, Brooke. Have you ever fallen asleep in school? Of course I haven't. I've never <laughs> fallen asleep in. Come on. Okay, question. Do you think I've ever fallen asleep in school? Yes. Of course. Of course. There's a photo of it on Facebook. I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my friend Stacy had the caption student hard at work. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Like, okay, this is like aggravated sleep inducing conditions. You're telling me it's dark. There's all kinds of like yeah. scents in the air and it's hot as balls. Like H- Haley taught me a word recently. Is it soporific or soporific? That means like sleep inducing. All oh, this shit is soporific. So perific. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, it's truly the most i don't think you could put anyone in this room honestly i'm surprised harry was the only one asleep well for sure well maybe maybe fucking like lavender brown was like nodding off and then harry started having this like seizure and she like snapped back to the present and it was like a very unpleasant reality and like the other thing is that i truly think that if you condition yourself to be tired in a certain environment it's like forever like when i was in high school I had just about an hour-long ride to my high school, bus ride. Um, You know, school districting sucks. Um, And so, like, I got really good at sleeping on the bus because I would catch that bus at about 6 a.m. And, like, damn, if I'm not going to sleep from 6 to 7, are you kidding me? In my adulthood, I would use that time to read for sure. I got really good at doing eyeliner on a moving bus in that same time period. Oh, nice. Claire, did you bus ride? No, I never bus rode. Um, I lived like five minutes away. So if I didn't get a ride, I had to walk. But you like got sleep. I wouldn't say I got sleep. It was it was still <laughs> high school. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I was always so jealous of walkers because I lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. And all my friends lived like in town, basically. And I couldn't get anywhere by walking. I couldn't even real talk. Could not even get out of my neighborhood realistically by walking. It was about two miles out. It was big. <laughs> okay, so my point is that now when I'm on like a bus or like 
driving a car, I get really tired really fast because my stupid little brain is like, oh, we go to side to side with the highway. Oh, let's go to sleep. (laughs) Um, And I think that if you got used to being like fucking tired and your brain doing nothing in divination class, your brain just does that now, you know? Why are Harry and Ron still taking divination? Oh, my God. No, I know. Because it's like you can't be so lazy that you can't even switch electives. Yeah, can they get out of it? Or is it... It's an elective. They should be able to find something else. If Hermione Granger can walk the fuck out of that class and never come back, you can drop it officially between semesters. It's literally like they... There was a period for class signups and they forgot. Yes, I think that's exactly what happened. Yes, I do. I do think that's exactly what happened. I'm just like, leave. Take anything else. Take right. anything else. Uh, take, if if you want an easy class, like take muggle studies, dude. Like if Harry and Ron took muggle studies, that would actually be really fun to watch because it would be Ron being like, what? No, that doesn't make any sense. And Harry being like, nah, dude, they really, they really have two different kinds of toasters. There's like a toaster oven and the stand-up kind is wild. I truly think that it would bring them so much closer together than making up bullshit for divination. I mean, Ron's parents would support it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right about that. Whatever, they're fucking idiots. They couldn't have <laughs> us as the reader going to a muggle studies class, I guess. And you know what? I think that's a fault of the writer because a great writer could have made that amazing. <laughs> that, I think it, it it's a rich, rich, fertile ground for relationship building and cross-cultural understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Harry is dreaming. He dreams that an owl flies him. Classic Harry shit. He's flying. An owl flies him into a room In the room is a big chair. I guess this is the same room or meant to be like the room from his first dream in the beginning of this book um, with, oh, uh, no. What's his name? What the fuck is his name? (laughs) Bruce? Bryce? The gardener. Bryce. Where's my book? Oh, I threw it away because it's too big. (laughs) Benji. I think it's Bryce. Oh, my God. Frank Bryce. Frank Bryce! Oh my god. Okay, I consider that a 50%. That's not a passing grade, but I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. You did fall asleep in class. So. <laughs> I, fall, I fell asleep during the Frank Bryce portion of class. Fiddlewitch Bonobo. <laughs> what did you just say to me? What'd you call me? <laughs> I called the character Fiddlewitch Bonobo. <laughs> Uh, some things just sound funny. They don't have to have any meaning that goes with them. My favorite internet joke, my favorite internet joke, and please feel free to spam me with these because I love them, is the ones where someone mentions Benedict Cumberbatch and then people <laughs> yes. just make up ridiculous iterations <laughs> of fake names for him. Oh, in like a my stream. God. Okay, please, please, if you're listening and you're in our Discord server, just drop them. Just drop them in their restricted section channel. I want to see them. They're very funny. They're very funny. (laughs) Okay, so he is in a room. Uh, The owl flies him into the room. In the room is a chair. In the chair is a scary thing. Next to the chair is a snake. And then on the other side of the chair is a dude. That dude is Wormtail. How does he never recognize Wormtail? I don't know, man. He's, he's always like, there's a strange, bald, ratty man. It's, it's like he's so rat-like and he's he's cowering in the corner. Oh my god, this also connects back to the fat man. Sorry, but it does. 
I mean, they only met once, and it was a very traumatic time for Harry. I can understand not recognizing Peter. Harry's usually pretty good at remembering trauma. It's kind of his whole deal. <laughs> that is his whole deal. I wonder if maybe Wormtail just, like, looks a lot better. <laughs> Hold on. Let's... let's... <laughs> The description is a short, balding man, a man with watery eyes and a pointed nose. He was wheezing and sobbing on the hearth rug. But but he wasn't just a rat for 12 years. You know what I mean? He wasn't just a rat for 12 years. Okay. No, I see I don't your point. Think this is better. I would say that this is exactly the situation in which Harry last saw him. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Just being a little rat. Uh, a rat with wings. Is that a penguin? There's a Batman spoiler for you. Um, what? A rat so, with I'm wings. So is that is that a pigeon? No, the whole, the whole movie, they're like, what's a rat with wings? Is it a parakeet? <laughs> they just keep finding there's so many birds in that movie. It's a really good movie. That's my plug. So, Wormtails. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Based on that, you're not selling it. <laughs> It was a really good movie. It's probably a two out of ten endorsement. <laughs> well, I didn't even begin to describe any of the cool stuff. You just went on like a full two minutes of what is a rat with wings and then naming different birds that are not a rat with wings. I think a pigeon is a rat with wings. Like, I think that's valid. But the penguin was a stretch. <laughs> None of these are spoilers for the Batman because I'm not making any sense. Winged rat bats. You heard it here first. Uh, I'm like weeping. Um, Wormtail, quote, Wormtail's, no, Wormtail, quote, blunder has not ruined everything. So it's like he fucked up, but the, but the fuck up has, is fine. Because somebody died. Someone be dead. Yes. Someone be dead. So it's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then Voldemort. The, the thing in the chair, whatever could it be that gives me this terrible feeling inside? Uh, Voldemort casts Crucio on Wormtail. And it's like, ow. <laughs> and then Harry <laughs> wakes up. Harry wakes up in divination, writhing on the floor, being like, ow. So that's like the connection from there to here. Um, his scar hurts him. And I, I managed to say it. Seriously, without saying, oh, his scar hurts him. <laughs> his scar hurts. Okay, we're it's getting real now. His scar hurts him. Okay. He wakes up in divination class and everyone is looking at him. He's on the floor. Claire, you fall asleep in class. You have a scary dream. When you wake up, you're on the floor and the entire class is staring at you. What do you do? Um, You act as if it didn't happen and just sort of... <laughs> Just get back in, I, so in wait, your chair. You, you full commit to getting back behind the desk like, all right, guys, carry on. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to have to explain to what happened in that nightmare. So you just sort of <laughs> deal with it and move on. Just like, I feel better now. Honestly, I feel like Harry's like, I have a headache is perhaps the perfect cover. Yeah. Um, Claire, you. <laughs> that reminds me of, I was in high school and in statistics class. Maybe that's what induced this. But, like, I have I have blood pressure issues. Maybe this was a problem even in high school. They're genetic, but whatever. I was sitting in statistics, and I was like, I don't feel good. I'm going to faint. Like, I feel like I'm going to faint. And it was one of those times where it was, like, terrible, room full of people, shitty teacher. I didn't feel good, and I, like, couldn't 
I, I felt so bad that I like couldn't pull it off elegantly. So I raised my hand. My bitchy ass statistics teacher was like, Christina, what? And I silently beckoned her closer, right? <laughs> like with a, from a lecture, I was like, come here. And she was like, are, I probably looked fucked up. And she was like, are you okay? And I was, I beckoned her closer. And I, I guess she got right in my face. And I was like, I feel like I'm fainting. I don't think I had like good vision at this point. It happens to me once every couple of years. It's fine. So then she was like, oh, shit. And she, like, went to her little classroom phone. She called the clinic and was like, hey, my one of my students is fainting. Uh, I don't think she can walk. Can you just, like, come get her? Because I'm trying to do statistics right now. And <laughs> and they were like, yeah, Roger, or, like, whatever <laughs> nurses say on Statistically, on the phone. I'm assuming a 99% chance that this bitch faints. <laughs> um so then so then we were it's a big school it's a big school like i think it was a quarter mile from one into the other like it's a walk so we were like waiting and then as faint feelings so often do it passed and i felt completely normal again so i very sheepishly raised my little hand and i was like oh miss whatever your bitch face is i feel better now so my teacher walked back to her phone called the clinic and was like Hey, she feels better now. And then a nurse from the clinic walked into my classroom with a wheelchair. And then her little walkie-talkie was like, Psh, the student has recovered. Repeat, the student has recovered. <laughs> and they were like, she was like, well, uh, why don't you just come with me anyway? Um, and that's what that reminded me of because Harry just is like, wait, uh, I've recovered. No, I've recovered. I'm just going to sit in my desk now. It's fine. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing is like Trelawney is not wrong to be like, we should probably talk about whatever just happened and analyze that a bit. Right. Only she's like, you just fainted in statistics. Let's talk about uh, like your inner eye. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm just having like a, an illness right now, like an actual illness. I would have licked her dead in the face and be like, will you give me an A if I tell you what just happened? Ooh, that's brilliant. Be okay. And here's the thing. Perhaps a dream like this, perhaps Trelawney could help you. Yeah. We never try that avenue. Honestly, I think this is probably the best class that he could have had this happen to him. Right. And he's just like, fuck you. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the thing. He could even remove like overly identifying details and literally right. just be like, he's like, well, I was soaring on the back of an owl. She would and love like, that. She would eat that up. <laughs> just there by was itself. A, the owl turned into a person it's like okay 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 the person uh you know cast a spell on another person and they screamed in pain and there was a snake watching like trelawney would absolutely break that down with you right then right there in front of the class you didn't give away any important details right and like i said look at her and be like if we analyze this now i want to be exempt from <laughs> class for the rest of the year right I have proven I have the sight. You have no more to teach me. <laughs> I bet if Harry Potter, Harry Potter looked Trelawney dead in the eyes and was like, dismiss the rest of class and we'll talk about it. She'd be like, get out of here. Yep. Like, <laughs> and she would be like, so fucking ready to do whatever he wanted to do. So, uh, no, he doesn't do that. He goes straight to the hospital wing. He, no, no, he says no, he, goes he needs straight to Dumbledore. He said, he says, he says he needs to go straight to the hospital wing. He's like, goodbye forever. He goes straight to Dumbledore's office. <laughs> he doesn't know the password to Dumbledore's office, which we like also learned in the last chapter, but the last password that it was, was like 
uh sherbet l- lemon sherbet lemon i was like lemon lemon cello that can't be right um sherbet lemon so harry starts just guessing candies and then he eventually guesses cockroach clusters and that works i don't know man would you do your passwords like this if you were the headmaster yeah honestly it seems stupid enough that no one's gonna guess it on first sight so why not honestly i feel like if hogwarts had an it department they would be on Dumbledore's case about this. Yes. They'd be like, Dumbledore, please just use a string of random unrelated words. We need you to change it every 90 days. It's got to have one uppercase, yeah, one like shouty you're, point. You're the headmaster, dude. If you could end it in a question mark so everyone has to go, Sherbert Lemon. <laughs> when I was in high school, my friends and I thought, okay, here's a little rule breaking for you. We thought we were hilarious because we used to walk around our high school and the mall, the only two places we were allowed to truly be ourselves, with a Sharpie and, like, write question marks on signage. So, like, the mall bathroom would be, like, bathroom. And to us, that was the funniest thing that had ever happened. Height of comedy. <laughs> I still find it quite hilarious. Literally this entire time where he's just shouting random like food-based candies and i'm just like here's the thing either don't have a password because why do you have a password right or like make it hard right make it hard because like the thing is that the way that his passwords are set up, any any student who has ever been to his office before could p- very easily get back into his office in this way. And, like, that's not a fair way to be a headmaster. Like, just because they needed you before, they're allowed to, like, need something from you now. But, like, what if somebody else needs something from you? You're also the headmaster. People have emergencies. People need you. Why are yeah. you so inaccessible to the children? Right. That's the thing is like, that is, this is not an open door policy. Like this is not like an approachable principle. This is a bodyguard gargoyle policy. Right. So what I want to know from y'all is, uh, and let's use like, maybe like pretend you're in the magical world. Like let's not do IRL. Let's do like, you are the headmaster of a school. Claire, what was your office password be? Something that people had to say to get into your office. Make it magical and don't make it a real password they use. <laughs> Just to be super clear. I don't know if I'm whimsical enough for this. Okay. Um. It doesn't have to be a food item. I think mine might be... I, I would. Okay, I've always been really partial to... Maybe it was this book or the book... I think it was maybe this book that the fat lady is drunk and... The password is fairy lights, and she says, Larry fights, that's the one. I think I would make my password Larry fights. Like, I'd be like, LOL, that's really obscure from Harry Potter. Brooke, what do you think? I would pull one over on the wizarding kids by making it bippity-boppity-boo. A magical (laughs) reference, but from the muggle world. I love that. I love that. Claire, any ideas? That's really fun, Brooke, not gonna lie. Probably, like, I don't know, just like Willy Wonka and just sort of sort of somewhat whimsical but not like magical but sort of mm-hmm. it would be funny if your passwords as they changed every year were just different very famous characters from muggle literature <laughs> exactly yeah be like yeah jay gatsby <laughs> and be like what this is a nonsense thing to wizard children 
I honestly want someone to have to go back to their muggle studies professor and being like, who is Han Solo? (laughs) (laughs) Han Solo's the best one. And you know what? Dumbledore would love Star Wars, so. He would be a huge Star Wars (laughs) fan. He would be a huge Star Wars fan. So Harry's approaching Dumbledore's office. He's got the password. He's gone up like the weird gargoyle escalator thing. He hears voices inside Dumbledore's office. And he's like, here's the thing. Because I can't really tell. Is Harry, like, nervously paralyzed from entering a room where there's obviously something going on? Or is he intentionally eavesdropping? Both? Little column A, little column B? Both, honestly. I I don't think he knows that he's eavesdropping. I think he's sort of just... Sometimes it just happens. Yeah. I think he's just got inherent, like, freeze reflex that happens to preference overhearing conversations. Yeah. Yep. Like, he he knows when he's not supposed to be somewhere. That is one thing he's, like, keenly aware of. So he'll just, like, stop. Yeah, I do think that the freeze reflex is at play here. Because if he was like, hee 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 I'm gonna eavesdrop. I think pretty quickly he'd be like, wait, Mad-Eye Moody can see through anything. So I think he does just, like, freeze and, like, hears more than he thought he would you know i think it's also a thing where he's like come here with a purpose you know what i mean he's like mm-hmm. i i gotta tell dumbledore about this whole dream thing because i think i'm seeing voldemort in my dreams and right. it hurts and so that's bad and he's like okay gotta tell dumbledore gotta tell dumbledore and then he's like going up the stairs and he's hearing yeah cornelius fudge be he's like, like I-, I wasn't meaning to go straight to the president with this shit <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I definitely wanted to tell Dumbledore, but this seems like an escalation. Right. Fudge is in there. Um, He's digging his head in the sand about Bertha and Crouch being connected in any way. He's like, for God's sake, she's a dumb idiot. What do you want from me? Yo, if I knew Fudge was coming to visit, I would make my password Fudgy Fudge. (laughs) Because it's also a food. (laughs) Or like peanut butter fudge and just make him like sit there and be like, very funny. Very funny. That would be cute. Especially if you got to like, here's the thing. I Like with Zoom passwords, I always try to be like very clever with them because I'm like, this is for you. You and I have like this certain set of references in common. So like when I'm meeting with an author, it's usually like love books or something like very professional. But whenever I'm doing like the movie night crew, like happy hours, which you can sign up for on patreon.com. I always am trying to type, like, jokes in there from the fandoms, but the, but it's always too long. You only get, like, ten characters. How am I supposed to fit, like, a dope joke in only ten characters? <laughs> I've tried. I mean, you do a great job. I, I really love them. They're Thank great so when I ever show up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm honored. Um, I do my best. Every once in a while, it's just boobs. So, uh... Mad-Eye Moody is, is there, too, and he's like, hey, Fudge, what the fuck happened to Barty Crouch in the Woods, then? I want to play a quick game. What happened to Barty Crouch in the Woods? Wrong answers only. Uh, 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 the Coast Guard came and did one of those, like, crazy, like, drop things where they put him on a stretcher and then they sailed him away, and it's very scary to look at. Brooke, wrong answers only. What happened to, what happened to Crouch in the Woods? Um, alien abduction for a probe. Okay, Claire? Uh, unicorns came and s- saw him as a- as their king. Oh, night! That would be a great ending for Party Crouch. Okay, uh, let me see. He got bit by a zombie, walked away, zombie, 
The zombie crouch didn't, zombies don't show up on the Marauder's map. Brooke? Uh, he discovered his sexuality, couldn't live this lie anymore. <laughs> and ran? Ran. <laughs> ran so far away. Uh, Claire? Uh, he lost all confidence and just sort of shrunk into himself and just sort of. Oh my god, he like imploded? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Okay, good job, everyone. Thanks for playing my game. You notice when a Hufflepuff hosts a game, there are no points and no one wins. (laughs) So basically, Cornelius Fudge is like, this high-ranking government official either snapped because I've been working him too hard, or he wandered off, or he got murdered by a half-giantess that we trust a lot because we're doing this, like, international event with her. This man- it's like honestly, his third suggestion is about as sensible as SEAL Team Six drop in. Like he's <laughs> right. just like he's like okay, so he either yeah had a mental breakdown, which we all know is likely, or he might have been pounded into a pulp by someone who runs a school for children. Right, and like I think having prejudice against Madame Maxime is like really showing that it is prejudice in a way that like kids can understand because it's like yeah. Hagrid likes scary monsters and like he does get drunk sometimes in front of students and like he does do these things that are like a little scary. In the last chapter, he was a little scary. He was being like racist and loud and mad. But it's like Madame Maxime is a professional. She's an educator and she's an incredibly classy French woman. And it's like, no, this is this is the demonstration to like the, you know, eight year old reader or whatever. They're like, oh, racism's bad. Just because she's a half giant doesn't mean that that makes any sense. You know, it's like, but have you considered she's a big, big girl? <laughs> big girl. <laughs> uh, yeah, she would never. Absolutely. So this is, I think, like the first true moment of like, fuck Cornelius Fudge. Because in the past, he's been like, shitty and annoying. But like, this is the first time where it's like, that's a thing. I can call you racist now. Like, that's a concrete thing that I have now. Like, fuck you. You're a racist person. And I don't know if this is sexism or not. I would have to know more about Fudge. But the way he's like, Bertha Jerkins is a dumb idiot. Don't worry about it. Like, everyone. Everyone's like, Bertha Jerkins if your dumb idiot friend is missing, worry about her. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? It doesn't matter that she's a dumb idiot. So, okay. Here's my take. I, for a very brief period of time, worked for the government. There are people that have been working for the government for decades who are dumb idiots in the particular sense of people that have worked for the government for decades. And I think that she falls into that category where it's like, we cannot give her a single responsibility other than answering the phone and using this stamp. Right. And she's great at it. (laughs) And she's been doing this for a long time. And she knows exactly where the stamp is. And she knows how to answer the phone. And she's got a lot of PTO built up. (laughs) (laughs) She should take it. She's taking it all right now. Let her live. I don't know if I'm like imagining this, but I I think at some point they talk about how she's been like shunted from department to department. And like what that says to me is like she's good at like administrative tasks, which is kind of what you were describing, Brooke. Like she's good at like basic administrative tasks, which is like a really good, like good for her. And so they just keep slapping her between departments and... I don't know, man. I'm just mad about Bertha. I don't know how governments work in the UK. In the US, you get automatic raises just for continuing to show up. It's almost impossible to get fired. And you get like a retirement. You get like a whole ass pension. 
Yeah. So it's like there are literally people whose whole jobs there are basically just like, hey, what does that person do? And they're like, well, they've been here a while. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't live in the United States, pensions are rare. <laughs> Those aren't real. Unless you are for the government. Okay. So basically, this is the end of the chapter. Uh, Mad Eye Moody is like, hey, we should wrap it up because Harry's eavesdropping. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that Mad-Eye Moody let him listen for a couple minutes. (laughs) Like, he didn't call it right away. He just is, uh, he revels in the chaos. Yeah. Well, he is the villain. I mean, this is is actual, you know, BCJ, so. Yeah, BCJ. (laughs) You know, before Christ Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Before Christ Jesus, was that when he was like three? (laughs) He hadn't fully hit Christ yet. Yeah, he was just, he was just regular Jesus. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, I know I've had too much wine because that is making me laugh a lot. <laughs> but, you know, like, technically this is Barty Crouch Jr., so I think there are moments where he's just like, I'm going to let chaos reign. That's the thing. That's the thing is, like, he's in the perfect position as, like, he's, like, an an elder Auror. He has, like, the prestige. And he's also known for being a loose cannon. If you're pretending to be this guy, you can do anything you fucking want to. No one would be like, that is a suspicious behavior, you know? Because none of it is. None of it is. And if anyone is like, hey, man, like, usually drink from your flask for the past, like, 25 years, and I notice you drink from that wine goblet on the table. What's up with that? You could just be like, ah, you know, I decided it wasn't worth it. Like, fuck it. I've been trying trying to avoid my enemies for so long, but I'm just getting so old that I, I don't care anymore. And it's like, I believe that. Like, whatever explanation you provide, I believe it. Literally, dude showed up in the woods after an insane person had mysteriously disappeared, and everyone was like, yep, checks out. Yeah. Yep checks out oh you were patrolling the woods at night for no reason yeah that makes sense yeah no that sounds like something you'd do middle of the night just walking around the school that's that's all you i feel like i want a flask now that says mad eye moody on it because he's a flask drinker only if it's got an eye like a swivel eye in it. Ooh, ooh! oh my god like those baby doll eyes that close when you lay them back because they're like weighted or whatever yeah nightmare stuff and nightmares <laughs> okay that's the end of the chapter claire is there anything that we missed that you want to go back to or like any favorite moments or any themes you want to drive home not really um i learned about a watch today and i did not know that was a big deal <laughs> okay the watch was the highlight for claire what well, claire what was your favorite moment in this chapter not gonna lie learning about friend george trying to blackmail was pretty great yeah so sort of seeing that chaos early yeah. on yeah in some way i'm like proud of them Brooke, any last words from you? Um, a little while ago, you were really on a tear, so I didn't interrupt you, but you said Ooh. Elder Auror, and that is a perfect password because you have to say it <laughs> flawlessly or it does not work. Question, did I say it flawlessly? You did. You nailed it. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm going to put a clip here. He's like an an Elder Auror. He has like the prestige. Brooke, what was your favorite moment in this chapter? It's not a lot of stellar ones. I know. I I did, I did like Harry just randomly screaming passwords at the gargoyle. Like, it would be ex- funny to watch that. It would, like, could you imagine just being a little bit down the hall? You, like, round the corner and you see him just screaming desserts <laughs> at a statue and you're like, I'm going to abscond. 
I'm just going to turn around and walk the other way. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't know what's going on. I don't. I, I will not testify. I think my favorite moment is when Hermione says to Ron, after you get knocked unconscious, why don't you fall backward, you dumb idiot? Because that is the exact kind of cunty shit that I would say, for sure. Like, that's the kind of cunty shit, like, I say to my husband. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, be better. Like, why? I don't understand why this is up. When I perfectly well do. To be fair, like, people almost always fall backwards when they get knocked unconscious. This is a thing that I learned in high school theater because we were talking about, like, ways to pass out. And basically, the way that most people stand and the way that your head is weighted, most people are going to fall back. Yeah, probably because most people stand with, like, their knees locked. So as soon as Mm -hmm. that goes, you just kind of, like, your head goes back. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and you know, like Ron could have been standing in certain ways that make him fall in a certain way. But I, I just still think it's quite funny. Or like you could have just added more pillows. Also, you could just be sitting down because you can stun someone who's just sitting down. What if he was already laying down? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like you can stun that person. <laughs> there were so many options. There were. You're right about that. All right, are we ready to move on to plugs? Awesome. They both nodded for the listeners' uh, benefit. They both nodded to me. I would love to start by plugging our Patreon. This month's bonus episode came out last Saturday, and me and Brooke and Taylor from over on Of the Eldest Gods went through the brackets of a very special Harry Potter fight club to see who would win the ultimate wizarding world brawl. Fisticuffs only, no magic allowed, and the answer might surprise you. Do you think it's uh, surprising? Do you think our ultimate winner was surprising, Brooke? I was surprised, actually. Me too. So definitely check us out over there. The link is in the show notes. Claire, do you want people to find you on the internet? I mean, they can. I'm not. Twitter is pretty interesting for me right now. Um, You can find me at Claire Kraski, C-L-A-R-E-K-R-A-J-E-W-S-K-I on both Twitter and Instagram. Hell yeah. And what have you been reading, watching, listening to, playing lately that you think the readers, uh, the listeners of our podcast might enjoy? Probably most thing that I've been watching recently is Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. It's really interesting movie starring Andrew Garfield, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's just sort of about like being an artist and creativity and wanting to create something, but you're just like, I don't know what to do. It's the autobiographical musical written by Jonathan Larson, the guy who ultimately went on to write Rent. Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. That's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was connected in that way. Awesome. Thank you so much for the recommendation, Claire. You have been recommending this for a long time now, and I have had it in the back of my mind for months. So I will watch it. Just you wait. Just you wait. Just you wait. It is worth it to watch Andrew Garfield kill the performance so hard. Okay, awesome. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that I love before because his era of Spider-Man was not my jam. And also the other, I don't, the only Spider-Man I care about is the current one whose name I care. Tom Holland crushed it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Claire. Brooke, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at passion parks You can find me on Twitter at grumpybrook. And um, this, I was going to say week. Is that right? Yeah, we release these episodes weekly. This time. <laughs> this era. <I'm- laughs> this epic. No epoch. 
Is it epic or epoch? Ah, uh, I, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sorry, just carry on. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> life is exhausting, guys. Uh, this super cool publishing company that I follow on Instagram called Wildling Press, you should definitely check out, is doing middle grade March. And so I went back and read Stardust, which <gasps> is an amazing kind of middle later middle grade book. And um, it was such a delight. Yes. Um, it was, it's like the perfect bit. I've literally been, I just finished it. I've been reading it before bed, just like a chapter at a time. It's the perfect bedtime story. It's been so much fun. You should definitely get amongst. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that because um, I've also been trying to reread my favorite classic middle grade this month. So my plug for this, I, I mean, obviously the Batman. I've made that clear. My plug for this week is the Batman. <laughs> it's really good. You should go see it. It's worth the three hours. But I also finished reading today. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. This is an author whose name I definitely need to look up. And the book is downstairs. Okay. Um, Flipped by Wendelin Van Dronen is my best guess at the pronunciation. I did not know that all of my adulthood girlfriends have read this book, but they have. Um, Claire, have you read this one? I loved it. I read it what? in middle school. It was okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So I also read it in middle school and fucking loved it. I also read it in middle school and I held on to it. And I, what I'm doing this year is I'm really trying to reread the books that I have been just holding on to because I liked them to see if they are worth holding on to forever. You know, either this is a book that I want to reread routinely or it's a book that I'm good one and done. And if I ever want to revisit it, I can go to the library. And so I read Flipped. Um, I read it in like two days because it's a middle grade book. Happy middle grade March. For those who don't know, middle grade are chapter books for middle schoolers. They're not quite as sexy and violent as YA and they are uh, just, you know, but they're a, a little more advanced. They're chapter books. And Flipped is about, I mean, and it, I just, I resonate so much with female protagonists who are, have such big personalities. Um, that's why I love Lyla, Lyra Silvertongue from His Dark Materials. And the main female lead in Flipped is Julie. And like, basically, it's like, the whole book is the story of like, this kid Bryce and this kid Julie. And when they first meet, when he moves in across the street from her, he is like, super overwhelmed by her. She's a very intense person to him. He finds her like, really annoying. And then it's like the course of like their five year friendship where like slowly he starts to like learn more about her and he like fucks up and has to feel bad in certain ways. Like he really starts to see her as like a full person. Um, but he like fucks up enough by being like a dumb idiot, like all kids are, that like by the time he realizes she he realizes that he has a crush on her, she is not trying to fuck with him anymore. So it's it's a really cool exploration of like identity and family and like perception it's a really cool exp exploration of perception and i vibe so much with the main protagonist uh, there's two the main female protagonist because her personality is gigantic dude and in the beginning it's too much but but it, but but it's not dude it's not you just have to wait for like the right person to come along and see your giant personality and be like i want in you know it's beautiful it made me weep <sighs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> just a little warning that it was published in 2001, so it has some language that we do not currently use to talk about people with different mental disabilities. Um, basically, that's like my only complaint. There's also a little bit more gender dichotomy talk than contemporary novels have, but it's really not 
it's like a kid being like women am i right but then in the end it's like yeah dude women yeah <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you see it now so i'll stop ranting i just i love i love this book so much so happy middle grade march um and like please follow wildling press on um instagram especially if you want to check out the middle grade books that we're recommending this month because there's a lot of really excellent ones out there also our network sibling of the eldest gods is covering the percy jackson series which is one of the most legendary middle grade series of all time it's such a good series especially if you like harry potter but wish the author was better just check out percy jackson so i'll stop i'll stop ranting i just i started talking about books that i love and that's what happens Claire, thank you so much for being here today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. And Brooke, as always, thank you for being my co-pilot. I literally have to show up when you call me as a condition of our friendship. Yes, yes, yes. And you've been doing a great job. All right. I got to go finish reading Spilling the Tea Leaves, a seer's guide to drama before this book has a premonition. Bye. Say bye back to me, guys. Why? Bye. Bye. Thank you. The Restricted Section is delighted to be a member of the Movie Night Crew Podcast Network, featuring other amazing podcasts such as Content and Capable. Having recently become an adult, Sam is on a quest to find out how to actually be one. Each week, Sam asks people how they are content with their life and feel capable as a functioning adult in society. Hi, my name's Sam, and I've recently become an adult. But why does adulting have to suck? Join me on my journey to rediscover the joy of following your passions as an adult and discuss it with people who are doing just that. I'll sit down with a variety of people from all walks of life and ask the important questions while trying to figure out what does it really mean to adult. Whether you're a pro or haven't even started, come and listen wherever you get your podcasts and hopefully you might learn a thing or two. The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Support us on patreon.com slash restricted section. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain access to our Discord community server, which is a really happy place to be. And there are other rewards as well, such as bonus episodes and Zoom happy hour hangouts. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, on Twitter at Restricted Pod, and on Facebook at Restricted Section Pod. Also, feel free to shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com to share your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or even lavish praise. She's the size of a peach. I love those dumb, those dumb fruit anal- like uh, uh, metaphors. Like I love it so much. So I've got two. One tells me food, and the other gives me '90s nostalgia items. <gasps> what '90s nostalgia item is your baby right now? A Pokemon card. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 That is so fucking funny. That's the best thing I've ever heard. And that is so specifically targeted toward the exact age range of women who are getting pregnant on purpose right now. Uh huh. That is amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic as well because, like, because they're doing like nostalgia things, usually they're a lot more specific. Like, you tell me, like, oh, she's the size of a small peach or like a medium lemon. I'm like, dude, fruit come in. Like, fruit come in too many sizes? You yeah. tell me she's the size of a Pokemon card? I got you. <laughs>
I'm like, boom, right there. Yeah, because if you say the baby's the size of an orange, it's like, what kind of orange? What are we doing here? Are these the tiny avocados or those gigante avocados? There's a point where it said it was as big as a blueberry. And I distinctly remember looking at a tub of blueberries that week and like holding up different sized blueberries and just being like, are we? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's very funny. That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.